0: Nuggets numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night. When I am recording this, the Nuggets will be playing. Most likely when you listen to this on Tuesday night, they should be playing the Brooklyn Nets. Sans Kyrie Irving, but they've had Kevin Durant, have looked good when everybody plays. Uh but when everybody doesn't play, it, it kind of falls apart. So this is a a surprisingly a surprising game, I think, that the Nuggets could win. I don't know if they will. Kevin Durant is a matchup nightmare for this team. We will see what happens. I think that Jamichael Green is probably gonna see a lot of time on Kevin Durant. But we're gonna see how they play it. And I'm I'm actually really curious to see how this team matches up. So but that's not, a, that's not what this podcast is about, what this podcast is going to be about. I'm going to share game notes from the weekend. Uh, Pickaxe Pod didn't go up on Monday, so I'm going to cover for them today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Philly game, going to talk about the New York game, share some game notes from each of those in the first segment. And then the second segment, we're going to do the 10-game update. I'm going to be doing this every 10 games or so. Uh, Four Nuggets numbers, going to provide numer- numerical data, going to provide my own takeaways. Same basic questions, should have different answers every time. 10 games, 20 games, 30 games, etc. Uh, all the way up until the season ends. So curious to see how it goes and, and how it continues to evolve. But I, for the first segment, I did an article called Starting Five on Denver Stiffs. So make sure to... Check that out. It's going to have a lot of the same notes uh, on that one. It's going to have Gary Harris breaking out of his slump, uh, Jamal Murray taking a little bit of a back seat. I think there are some interesting data points in there that people should be interested in. I'll share a couple of them here, but if you're interested and you want to go watch the film, go take a look at that article. So, without further ado, let's talk about Philly. Uh, The Nuggets received a bit of a blessing on that Saturday afternoon game. Uh, first takeaway that I have is no Simmons, no Joel Embiid. There were only seven players that suited up really for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, technically they had eight, but Mike's or whoever it was, uh, that, that didn't play. Uh, they were basically a walking injury sub and they were only active because they were, they, they had to have eight players. uh, Very surprised that the NBA decided not to cancel that game given that it was an injury sub. But, be that as it may, it's a a spot that the the Sixers had to be in. Uh, They started a bunch of young players, uh, including Tyrese Maxey, who had a really good game. Uh, We'll get to him in a little bit, but it was too bad that we couldn't see Joel Embiid, couldn't see Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid has had a proportionately great start. To the season that Nikola Jokic has had for Denver. Uh, he's been an MVP candidate Embiid has. Uh, he's done it in his own way. Very dominant down low. Uh, continues to be a defensive force. Philly has been a great defense to start the year. And because of all of those factors, it's easy to pencil in Joel Embiid as an MVP candidate. Uh, Denver didn't have as much of a, a strong start. And so Jokic versus Embiid was going to be a really interesting factor in in my own personal MVP race, uh, because if if Jokic was able to continue to do his dominant stuff against one of the best centers in the NBA, then it's still an, it's an as important as you could possibly get uh, in that situation. Really tough defense, really tough matchup. If Jokic was Jokic again, then. I think that's, that says a lot about where Jokic is at. I think he would have been. I think he's in great shape, and I think that Joel Embiid would have been surprised to face a guy like Jokic, but it is what it is. Didn't get to see that. Didn't get to see Ben Simmons either, who was, I think the, the Sixers were fined, or Simmons was fined or something, uh, given that he had kind of a, a weird knee injury pop up at the last second. It's going to be interesting to see how teams continue to rest their guys, given the COVID protocols, given how few players are going to be available from night to night. Um, I am curious to see how this continues to evolve. But the second takeaway I have, Gary Harris just looked great. Uh, He finally broke out of a shooting slump. During uh, during this three-game stretch um, against the... Mavericks, against the Sixers, and against the Knicks, he took in about two and a half of those games, he took his three-point percentage from 11%, which was gosh awful, of course, to 26%, which is still gosh awful, but he more than doubled it. He hit more threes in those three games than he had for the entire previous amount of the season. And it's good to see him get back on track. It's good to see the Nuggets continue to find him, continue to put him in positions to succeed. Denver does a great job of that, where they continue to move the ball, Jokic especially, where he continues to find the guys that are going to be wide open. And Gary Harris has found himself wide open on a number of occasions, against Philly especially. And he knocked down those shots, to his credit. Uh, Is it going to continue? I don't know, but it does feel like Gary Harris is turning a little bit of a corner. He has been good uh, around the basket for most of his time. Uh, He's been solid defensively as ever. But the shooting is going to be the most important thing for him, especially in a playoff environment. Uh, It's it's a while before that, that occurs, but all of these games do mean something. And the quicker that Gary Harris gets back on track the better off the team will be. Number three, the starters, they were all solid. They weren't elite, but solid, and that included defensively. Against this Philly roster, they they had seven players. Dwight Howard started in place of Joel Embiid. You knew that the Nuggets would be, there would be some letdown factor when not playing Philly's best. But it was probably for the best, because the Nuggets needed a bounce-back game over Dallas, and the starters, they were all pretty good. They weren't great. It wasn't an outlandishly good performance, but they were all solid. They did what they needed to do. They uh, let Philly take the shots that they needed to take uh, in order for Denver to win the math game. And I thought they were solid offensively as well. Uh, Jamal Murray had a good game, despite not forcing things. Uh, Gary Harris, of course, had a great game. Nikola Jokic had a great game. Uh, Paul Millsap and Will Barton struggled in that one, but they uh, they still have they still have some time to kind of get things to go. They they're, they're going to be okay. The bench was really good in the Philly game, and I think that's probably the the big indicator. Uh, they were better in the New York game, which I think is most important. But in that Philly game you really saw them take advantage of their depth, where guys like Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, Jermichael Green, really, he really shined in that one. Monte Morris shined in that one. Uh, you love to see guys like that continue to play well, because Denver has had to extend their minutes of their starters for a long time, and Murray is still averaging 35 minutes a night, Jokic is still averaging I think 36, but the lower you can get those totals, the better. Uh, Denver's going to be better off for it if they can trust their bench. And once Michael Porter Jr. gets back, it should be easier to kind of slide everybody down a position uh, in terms in terms of the pecking order for minutes. But you still need guys to perform at the highest level so that Jokic and Murray aren't on the floor for ever. Uh, we're going to see how that ultimately pans out, but I'm I'm looking forward to that uh, discussion. Number five, Tyrese Maxey. He's that stereotypical guard that that goes off versus Denver. Uh, he maneuvered his way into the lane on on several occasions. And instead of getting all the way to the rim, he would settle for floaters, for short jumpers. Uh, he didn't challenge Nikola Okach very often. Uh, he just kind of settled for the shot that was open. And that was a very mature move. And he had a really great game. He had 39 points, I believe, on 31, 33 shots or so. So it wasn't the most efficient performance, but he also didn't get to the free throw line. So he made the most of the possessions that he was given. Uh, Denver was more than happy to give him most of those shots. Uh, I think Michael Malone would like for the guards to stay a little bit more attached uh, when when he's getting a screen, when he's getting a dribble handoff or, or something of that nature. but. Michael Malone would obviously live with it. Uh, Denver only gave up 103 points against Philly, and a lot of that was in garbage time, kind of towards the end of things where the game wasn't really close. So the defensive performance against a guy like Tyrese Maxey, though he went off individually, it was perfectly fine. And like I said, the defense was solid. Uh, They forced the types of shots that needed to be forced. Uh, Philly didn't take a ton of threes, and they Barely made any of the threes that they did take uh that's probably the biggest indicator of a team that's outmatched that's outclassed uh when they can't generate those shots and then they can't hit them when they do get them uh so that's that's kind of a a basic indicator there um and last point I have for Philly uh pretty easy to to play against seven players if you're denver um. Wonder why Utah couldn't do it. Wonder why, wonder why they couldn't uh, make that happen last year against the, the Magnificent Seven from Denver. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Vlako Chanchar says hello. Uh, when we come back, we're going to transition into the New York game. Uh, not, not long segments here, but do want to touch on that before getting into the main gist of this. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Uh, Let's talk about the New York game. Uh, The Knicks, I think the the first point that I had that I wanted to discuss after watching the Knicks play, I had watched a couple of games of theirs on League Pass, uh, just wondering why they were five and four. Uh, The Knicks, they run the easiest offense to defend in the entire NBA, as long as you have smart defenders. And Denver does have those. Nicole Jokic is a smart defender. Paul Millsap, of course, is a smart defender. Jamal Murray has turned into a very smart defender, a cerebral player. Uh, He cuts off driving lanes really well. He knows what opposing players are going for. Gary Harris, Will Barton, smart defenders. Sometimes they'll get lost, but most of the time they're staying attached. They're doing the things that they need to do. When you have a team like that, when you have a group like that, a starting unit like that, and then the bench comes in and does more of the same. It's very impressive, and it kind of points to the other team being being more at issue than what the Nuggets have done, because they, they haven't done well defensively this year, but they do have good defensive players, and they have smart defensive players. So the disconnect is that New York is just a really easy team to defend, and so it shouldn't be used as... Uh, It shouldn't be used as kind of a a negative for Denver's defense, I think, because they had to make the necessary changes and they did. Uh, But the Knicks are easy if you have the right guys at the right positions. Uh, RJ Barrett wasn't able to do anything against the Nuggets because while he is a big wing, he doesn't have that creation ability for other players yet. And he doesn't have that exquisite touch around the rim that makes him so dangerous. Uh, He finished inefficiently. Julius Randle, the Nuggets are going to let him take mid-range fallaways, uh 10 footers all the time. Uh if he hits threes, then they're not going to guard him out there. Like it is what it is. They're they're going to let that go. Uh but they're the Nuggets were in a good spot and they they had the right players at the right positions in order to guard those guys. It was Paul Millsap, it was Jamichael Green, uh, Jamal Murray, when he, when he got switched onto Julius Randle, he fought as well in the post. So it, it becomes really easy when the opposing team doesn't have any floor spacers. And if the Knicks had around RJ Barrett, around Julius Randle, and, and let's say Mitchell Robinson is still there because he's a good player too. If they had a better floor spacer than Wayne Ellington, who I think, I think that, oh no, it was Reggie Bullock. Excuse me. <laughs> Those guys are like the same player um if they had a better floor spacer than Reggie Bullock uh somebody like Duncan Robinson then it would be more dangerous if they had somebody like a uh i don't know a, a, another great shooting point guard uh somebody who could play off ball as well let's say Kyle Lowry uh, Kyle Lowry could play off ball he he is dangerous from the perimeter uh not super super duper elite but like he's he's an elite player they would be a really, really good team around R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, what they need there. Uh, they don't have that, and they they instead have some pretty weak talent. Uh, Alfred Payton is going to collapse the spacing, and Reggie Bullock just doesn't do it. Number two, Nicole Jokic, he was in his bag once again. Uh, Mitchell Robinson came out and said that He was like he was in good position and and Nikola Jokic just hit tough shots. Yeah, some of that is true. Like it's it is it is what it is. Like Jokic did have one Sombor shuffle, but he also did pump fake Mitchell Robinson into Kingdom Coming, then dunk on him. Uh Jokic does those things where when you think you're in good position, he just scores over you anyway, or around you, or through you. Uh it's it's never simple with him. And even if you feel like you're in good position, Jokic is a cerebral enough player that he will get around you every single time. Uh, Robinson is the exact kind of player that Jokic struggles to guard on the other end, though he did an excellent job in this game. And But it's he's one of those players that Jokic can get around because he's a younger player who wants to block shots, who wants to uh, block the big man's shots, and he he just goes around them every single time. Pump fake, pump fake, uh, doing what he needs to do to, to free himself up, spaces the floor with pick-and-pop jumpers. Uh, Jokic just does whatever he needs to do. And I thought he was very impressive. He was definitely the best player on the team, and that's what the Nuggets needed from him, 22, 10, and 5, and 3 quarters. It's all all you can really ask for. Number three, Jamal Murray has taken a back seat and he's let the offense work. Uh, this has been more of a, a ongoing trend for the last four games, uh, dating back to the second Minnesota game on Tuesday. Uh, I covered this more in depth on starting five on Denver Stiffs, so make sure to read about that and read about some of the numbers. Uh, one number that I didn't share on that, his time of possession this year as a point guard is down. Uh, Jokic's is up because he is operating he's accumulating 11 assists on average. Uh Murray's assists are down. His rebounds are down. He's a little bit less involved. He's one of the guys to start this year. And I think that's more by design and I think that's more intentional by Jamal. I don't nece- I don't know if it's necessary like he isn't being stopped from doing anything right now. He's still over 60% true shooting. Uh he's 39% from three. When he wants to shoot, he has done well. And so I'm kind of surprised that for a guy that said that, that the All-Star game was one of his goals, he hasn't been taking a ton of shots. Uh, he's at He was at nine points on four of nine shooting in this past game. I think he had three assists. Uh, kind of a, a, a mad game, but he didn't need to do it. And so I think he's probably saving his best for games where he feels like he needs to go off, Uh, and that's fine. Jokic did the same thing all last year, or at least at the beginning of last year, so it's important for Nuggets fans to cut him some slack. They know what he can do. They've seen what he can do on a consistent basis. If he takes over and and wins the game for Denver, then it won't have been his first. He's done a lot of great stuff, and and I I plead with Nuggets fans to remain patient with him. Despite the fact it's okay to acknowledge that he's been passive, I think he would say the same thing. He's just trying to help guys fit in, and he, with his step back, I think Gary Harris has taken a step forward. So maybe it is for the best, and we'll just have to find out. Number four, best bench performance of the year so far. we had a lot of uh, versatile bench contributions, Monte Morris, Jamichael Green, of course, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, I'll get to him in a little bit, but he had some good moves around the rim as well. Some good energy, uh, PJ Dozier hit some threes. Uh, he's in a position where he is the guy on the second unit that can create his own shot off the dribble. And so he's going to take a lot of tough shots. He had a really nice move that, that didn't drop, uh, when he had to isolate at the end of the shot clock for three, Uh, I urge him to keep taking those shots and get comfortable with them. Because if the Nuggets are going to trust him going forward, if they want him to take a bigger role, then he has to be comfortable taking those shots. It can't necessarily just be, hey, I'm going to be a three and D shooter. Uh, I'm going to occasionally cut to the rim, going to defend really well. He has to be more versatile than that. So it's important for him to continue growing his game, even if it steps out of bounds just a little bit. Uh, You saw uh, the pain of that in the Dallas Mavericks game when he was the one closing the game in overtime instead of Paul Millsap. I don't think you're going to see him closing a bunch of games again, but he does have the trust of Michael Malone for a reason. He has been one of their best defenders, if not the best uh he continues to defend on the perimeter really well uh he sees cuts really well he plays team defense he zones up the other side of the floor on the weak side uh he does a great job he's also tied for the team lead in rebounds he's also tied for the team lead in block actually he has the lead in blocks like he has been an impactful player so i hope that people cut him some slack Uh, He's done a great job, and I I definitely think that he's going to be a player going forward, but he's still so young. like He's going to figure some stuff out. Number five, 12 free throws attempted by Denver, 25 by New York. It never felt that way, though, because Denver did a great job of when, when New York guys crashed into them. Sometimes they were called for fouls, but the rest of the time, New York shot pretty inefficiently and Denver got the rebound. There were very few second chance points. There were it was in a situation that Denver took care of business on the defensive end. And then they executed their stuff offensive end without needing to be fouled. Uh Jokic didn't need to be fouled in in most of these cases and he did a great job of making sure that he stayed that way. Uh obviously he's just very impressive. I it's hard to really take into account like how aggressive Denver should be when it's against the New York Knicks in a blowout on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, we'll see whether they get more aggressive against the Brooklyn Nets, who are not a good defensive team. The Knicks actually are, are; they're supposed to be a good defensive team. They had a good defensive rating, so Denver did what they needed to do, and and were efficient in their ways. Uh, it just didn't matter what the Knicks did. Number 6. Let's talk about Isaiah Hardenstein. Uh he fouled out in 11 minutes and 32 seconds of game action. Uh that is less or that is one foul in under 2 minutes on average. Uh that's pretty bad. He needs to be he needs to be more conscientious of the fouls that he gives up because his minutes directly impact Nikola Jokic. Uh Given that Jokic is going to play so much consistently, when the bench does play well, like it did tonight, uh, the last thing you want to do, if, or, and I say tonight, it, it, that was Sunday night. Uh, it was Sunday evening. Uh, Isaiah Hardenstein can't take himself out of the game because he's fouling, and he can't put the opposing team at the free throw line because he's committing fouls. Uh, once the opposing team gets into the bonus... If they get into the bonus with like eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, and then the Nuggets lose by one, or they go to overtime like they did against Dallas, that's a really big problem. Denver was in that position against Dallas, and, and Hartenstein was fouling as well. I think it was more in the second quarter than the fourth, but like it's a big problem. And, and Denver can't continue to put their their opponent at the line as consistently as they have to start the year. Uh Isaiah Hartenstein is a, a big components of that. He is kind of wild when it comes to his defensive technique. He wants to block every shot he can. He wants to be the best defender he can, but it's important to stay under control. It's important to know your limits, and though he continues to test himself, I think it will be better for Denver in the long term if he continues to just find his role really, really softly. Eleven isn't enough in a blowout. I hope that he continues to push for more time. Though it does help that Paul Millsap can play the five. Jermichael Green can play the five. We haven't seen any of Zeke Naji yet with the second unit. I wouldn't expect it based off of what Denver's been doing lately. Um, but it will be interesting to see. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how Malone handles that back end. And number seven, I want to see more RJ Hampton. Um, I know it's, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but R.J. Hampton comes into the game, and the first play he has to make is a patient little floater that he has to navigate the lane. He does a really nice job of not getting sped up. He has great touch on that shot. Uh, clearly, he has some skills physically uh, with, with the ball in his hands uh, when he's moving off ball. Uh, he's a speed demon, and that's the one thing that when you're looking at what this roster needs – going forward uh i think you could probably say athleticism at the top of the list uh porter's athletic but kind of in more of a smooth way uh murray's more technical Jokic is more technical he's he's more of an athlete than he was but he's he's still more technical uh barton is getting older harris uh he has slowed down though he's he's still quick um and then Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green are definitely not athletic by any stretch of the word. they're they're traditional. Um I think if you're if you're R.J. Hampton, then the best thing you can do to get into the rotation for the nuggets is to continue to prove that your athleticism is something that Denver needs. Uh, Malik Beasley didn't necessarily use his athleticism to his advantage while he was in Denver. He was always too sped up. He was always, unless he shot well, uh, he was making mistakes because he was moving too quickly. He was not necessarily staying attached defensively to guys because he was a little bit too spacey on the defensive end. If you're R.J. Hampton, the best thing you can do is is be an athletic wing defender that Denver needs and then get out and transition and fly uh i hope he continues to show that when they do practice uh because he he could be a really big piece uh if harris were to go down if barton were to go down ex- for example uh, if the nuggets needed to give monte morris a break at some point he's played every game and probably will until the end of time but like RJ Hampton, I I do want to see it at some point. I think he could be good. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into the bulk of this podcast, the 10-game update. We will be right back. segment here on nuggets numbers this is the 10 game update i'm gonna try to do this every 10 games just in case you missed the intro uh basically what this is going to do is this should in 10 game intervals give the nuggets or give give nuggets fans kind of the state of the team uh where they are where they're going what to be concerned about uh what i'm thinking kind of big picture uh I think doing this is important because the Nuggets are a playoff caliber team, a championship caliber team. And it's not like getting caught up in the minutia is a big deal and and it happens to every fan. But the Nuggets have a larger goal and and they're working towards that goal with every day. And it's important that they continue to stay focused on that or at least have one eye on the present and one eye on the future. So five and five record to start the year. Uh, they have a Pythagorean win-loss record of six and four. They should have won the first Sacramento Kings game. And if they had, things would be a lot different. Te- like National media would treat, would treat them differently. Nuggets fans would be a lot less concerned. If they were six and four with the same statistics as they have right now, then they'd be fine. Uh, that's basically if, if Jokic doesn't get fouled and lose the ball in overtime, uh, and then Buddy Heald hits a game-winning tip-in. Uh, Denver's in a good spot because they have a plus 3.7 net rating. That's seventh in the NBA. These numbers are as of 9 p.m. on Monday night, so if they've changed, I apologize. Uh, 115.9 offensive rating. That's second in the NBA. 112.2 defensive rating. That's 25th in the NBA. They're trending in the right direction on both of those. Uh, they continue to raise their offensive rating, which is great. Uh, and, the, uh, and the defensive rating continues to improve as well. So that's what you want to see from a team as the sample size kind of normalizes. Uh, but what is this offensive team? What have we learned about this Nuggets team in, in 10 games that we didn't know before? I, I don't think I would say a lot um this is an offensive-minded team they can play defense when they are engaged the Nikola Jokic mvp campaign is in full swing he's done great things uh, as a creator for himself as a creator for others Uh, his defense has improved for sure uh it's crazy how many leaps he can take because he continues to improve in a variety of ways that i didn't expect him to uh I never thought that he would average 25 a game. I just, I kind of just assumed that he would choose not to. Uh, but he's become more aggressive. He's become more reliant on his own offensive game. And that's kind of nuts. Uh, Jamal Murray has been up and down, but mostly by his own choice, mostly by his own volition. I covered this in the first two segments. So uh, I'm not going to get into jamal murray discussion because i trust him in the playoffs and it's on it's basically on him if he wants to be an all-star or not because he certainly has the talent to he just hasn't demanded the basketball enough and denver will give him the basketball if if he wants it he has earned that uh, rapport with the rest of the group Uh, they trust him to do those things so i hope he continues to take charge Uh, Maybe give Jokic a night off here or there. Uh, Jokic hasn't taken a night off yet, so this is is a big deal. And then Michael Porter Jr. is going to be the other guy to really talk about here. He's only played four games, and all three of Murray, MPJ, and Jokic, they've only played three games together. Uh, Denver's one and two in those games. Uh, they, They did fine. The defense was bad in those games, but the offense was excellent. Uh, So that's kind of how you would expect it to be. But there have been a lot of conclusions drawn about this Nuggets team and and whether they should keep MPJ or not based off of time that he hasn't been on the floor. So I tend to just kind of table my discussions of MPJ until he gets back, until we see what it looks like. That's still the most important question facing this team. How does Porter blend into the offense captained by Jokic and Murray? Uh, those two guys are always going to be, uh, maybe not always, but like 99%, they're probably going to be the two leaders on this team offensively. Uh, maybe MPJ breaks into that. Maybe he does it his own way, and and all three of them, it, it becomes a three-headed monster. Uh, he's still shooting very efficiently, so I think that we just kind of have to wait and see on that. over the course of these two, uh, two, two more questions here. Uh, which players have exceeded expectations? Nikola Jokic has obviously exceeded expectations. He continues to transition into a full on MVP candidate. Uh, I think people thought he would be the eighth to 10th best player in the NBA. And he really has been the first or th- first, second or third best player in the NBA so far. I don't think there's really any doubt. Uh JemIchael Green is another guy who has exceeded expectations. Nuggets fans didn't realize what they had in Jermichael Green until he got here. Until they really saw the kind of cerebral play that he can add to that second unit while also playing with the starters a little bit too. Uh, I hope he continues to get opportunities to play next to Jokic because he is probably going to be the starting power forward in the playoffs. Unless Denver makes a big deal, uh, I would expect Porter, Green, and Jokic to be the three starters at the 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Murray will start at the 1, and they'll figure out what to do with the 2. Uh, but that's what I would expect. I think that Millsap is probably not going to be the starter by the end of the year, and, and Michael Green will take that mantle. The question's when. The question is uh, how comfortable Denver is in, in transitioning that title, whether they will be comfortable or not, whether they can do it or not. Uh, Denver got caught with this last year with with Jeremy Grant when they they didn't really transition well enough. Uh, this is probably the time where where I think they have to, or at least they got to find that time. Monte Morris is another guy who continues to exceed expectations as well. His assist to turnover ratio is off the charts. He does everything that you want from a complimentary guard. He he is done a great job of driving to the rim as well. He's shooting like 62% from the rim uh, on drives. And that's kind of nuts because a guy that small and a guy that like, like he doesn't have bursting athleticism, not like a a De'Aaron Fox or a Russell Westbrook or anything like that. He's, He's a traditional athlete at the point guard position. And he just continues to do his thing. He finishes the ball well. He, he, uh, makes the right decision almost every single time. And he's been more aggressive with his three-point shot, and I love to see that. The Nuggets are going to need that going forward. They signed him to a three-year extension, and that means that, including this year, he could be there for the next four postseasons. And the Nuggets are going to have a lot of opportunities for Monte Morris to really impact the game, whether he's the fifth starter, whether he's coming off the bench. Uh, Denver is going to need Monte Morris to be great, and I think that they'll get it. Which players have fallen short of expectations now? Uh, Will Barton is probably the guy that I have circled, uh, though it it's not necessarily like one person has really fallen short. I think if you point to stats on the floor, it's going to be Barton and Harris. Uh, Will Barton has, has not shot the ball efficiently, and it's not just from three, it's on drives, it's on the finishes in the mid-range, it's on just... there. There, I have a lot of concerns about his ability against the best teams in the NBA to continue being the player that he wants to be, and I hope that he can transition into a guy who's hunting his three-point shot, who drives when he needs to, but doesn't necessarily make that the first part of his game. Uh, The Nuggets are going to need him to be solid. They're going to need all of their role players to be solid. Uh, But Barton especially, because what he does is so jack-of-all-trades-like, it could cover for any of the players when they struggle. Uh, Whether it's scoring to cover for Michael Porter Jr. on an off night, whether it's creation and facilitation to cover for Murray, uh, if it's rebounding to cover for Paul Millsap if it's defense to cover for Gary Harris, then like Barton can do all of those things. And he has done all of those things in the past. Uh, I just don't think he's done them at a high enough level to start the year. Uh, I think he can be better. And I think he will be. I think it's, it's taken him a little bit to get comfortable, to get used to coming off of this injury. He didn't have an extensive ramp up period. He's also in a contract year. So he wants to be better. He wants to be great. Uh, the Nuggets need him to be great. Gary Harris is the other guy, though Though I do think that he has improved. Uh, given his jump shot has improved, I think that you start to see some of the other parts of his game that have really stood out. Uh, he's actually fourth in field goal percentage among, among guards on shots within five feet. So he has been efficient when he gets around the rim. Gone are the floaters, gone are the... A whole bunch of mid-range shots kind of in the 10 to 14-foot range. He's not settling for those. He's done a great job of attacking the rim and putting pressure on the restricted area. Uh, And he's been very efficient in doing so. The only three players that have been more efficient than him as guards, Hamadou Diallo of OKC Thunder, he only dunks and he's got the athleticism to do it. Uh, Drew Holiday and Zach Levine are the only two. Uh Drew is an excellent finisher and he has perfect spacing around him. Zach Levine, he's another great athlete and, and just does a lot of great things. Uh he's really proven people wrong this year, too. Uh but Gary Harris being fourth on that list is really important because he did drop. Uh the fourth on the on that list is a big indicator that he's back to 17-18. Gary Harris levels. Uh, a couple of years ago, three years ago or so, uh, Gary was finishing at that high level of a level. Uh, like Drew Holiday, like even a LeBron James, uh, Gary Harris was finishing at just an unbelievable rate. So I hope he continues to get back to that. If he does get back to it, then the Nuggets are going to be in a really great spot. Michael Porter Jr. is one other guy that I think has fallen short, but only because he hasn't played Uh, If he does play, then we'll see what happens. But the next question is, what happens when Michael Porter Jr. returns? Does he start? Does he come off the bench? What happens to the defense? What happens to the rotations? What happens to the shot distribution? Who is taking those shots? Uh, Is he working within the offense? Is he kind of freestyling out there? Is Nikola Jokic going to roll his eyes every time Porter takes a contested shot out of rhythm? I don't know. I don't know what those answers are, and if I if I did know, that I would be paid a lot more than I than I am right now. But like, I think that Porter has another level to reach, another several levels to reach. The only way it's going to happen is with dedication to the craft, is with dedication to the process, and figuring that out every single day. Uh, it can't be lackadaisical. It has to be intentional. And it has to be a process that Murray, Jokic, and Porter, especially, all kind of combine upon. Uh, because if those guys can come together, it's, it's going to look really good. And I, I genuinely believe that this team could trend in the right direction. They're already trending in the right direction, but Porter could be a big part of that, too. Uh, he can do some things that nobody on the roster can. And that's a really important thing when it comes to championship-caliber teams. Um, but are the Nuggets championship caliber right now? I think the clear answer is no. Uh, they faced the easiest strength of schedule in the NBA, and they're only 5-5. Five and five. Uh, On games where they was close and coming down to the wire, uh, they've lost multiple of them. Uh, they've lost two games against Sacramento that they should have won. They lost one game against Phoenix that I think they could have won. And they lost uh, a game against Dallas in overtime that they definitely should have won. So there is still time. There is definitely still time for Denver to become a championship contender. Whether they can do it this season or not remains to be seen. I think that's a maybe. Uh, it's going to depend a lot on the growth of Jamal, of Jamal Murray. It's going to defend, depend a lot on the growth of Michael Porter Jr., whether those guys can coexist together. Uh, whether players around them are comfortable just locking in defensively and and letting those guys operate mostly on the offensive end. Uh, I'm curious. I I definitely want to see this play out, and that's why I, I tend to turn my nose up at most trade proposals right now, especially the big ones. Like The Nuggets should be in a good position where they can get back to where they were without making any moves at all. They might have to make a move on the fringes. They might have to even trade for another starter. But right now, I want to see this group. It's too early in the season to really make snap judgments. Denver's still five and five, but they have the seventh best net rating in the NBA. Uh, independent of garbage time, it's even better than that. Uh, I've been very impressed with the way that this team has bounced back. They didn't like, they could have kind of sullied through this road trip. And they could still do that. They could still lose to Brooklyn in a pretty ugly way. But if they were to go 3-0 on this road trip, against Philly, against New York, against Brooklyn, taking care of business each time, taking care of the challenges that face them in each of those situations, then they're going to get a lot more respect. They'll get back over five they They'll be in a good position coming home against a really tough strength of schedule. And they're going to be in a good position to thrive. We'll see what happens when Porter comes back. That's going to do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate all of the love and support over the last couple weeks. Uh, it's been great. I, I love hearing from everybody. So message me on Twitter if, if you've got any thoughts. Uh, don't, don't hesitate on that. I try to respond to what I can. But... Uh, Going to keep covering things on Denver Stiffs, going to keep showing just what this Nuggets team can do, and we're going to cover it all on, on denverstiffs.com. So make sure to check it out, and we'll talk to you guys very soon.